Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We continue this study through the book of Hebrews. These guys writing, the guy writing this book, wrote it to encourage this group of believers, second generation believers in their faith. And here's what he wanted them to know. Jesus is worth it. No matter what you face, no matter what you're going through. So here's what they were, were going through. They didn't think they'd signed up for. They were going through persecution. They were going through tough times. They were going through things not turning out like they wanted them to turn out. And they're beginning to go, is this, is this really what we signed up for? I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick out the race. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this thing. And he's saying, I want you to remember Jesus is worth it. So all throughout from Hebrews 1 to where we are in Hebrews 12, he's been telling them why he's worth it. He went through everything so you didn't have to. Look at all the things he faced. You don't have to go through. And he, he lays out his case of why Jesus is worth it. And here's why he laid it out. He laid it out for them like he lays it out for us to encourage them in their faith. Take your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. If you got your Bible, that'd be great. Turn to uh, Revelation. If you go to the back, go back a couple chapters to Hebrews. If you got your app, you can go to North Star Church, Georgia, download the app. All the notes are on there, and you also got your little guide on the way in. We're going to pick up today after this Hall of Fame chapter we've read for the past two weeks. We pick up this continuation of thought today. And he lays out, the writer lays out for us, for those seasons of our life, we don't think we can make it. How we know we can make it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Would y'all stand with me today as we read God's Word together? Hebrews 12, verse number 1. It'll be up on the screens as well. Therefore, now we all learned in school, we're all good students. Even though Cobb and Paulding are out of school this coming week, we all learned as students. Whenever you read therefore, you have to ask your question, what? What's it? Therefore. What school did you go to? All right, what's it? What's it therefore? We have to look back. Therefore, it's written because of all the great ones that have run the race. All the ones in Hebrews 11, Moses and David and, and Caleb and Samson, all these great legends of the faith, therefore, he hearkens back to that. Listen to what he said. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay, off, lay also off every weight and sin which clings so easily. Here's what that means. You're not running your race in isolation. You're not running your race unaware. God is not looking down and going, oh yeah, I think I'm familiar with them. This race that you're running, this race that we're running as believers is being noticed by those who've come before. It's being noticed. It doesn't mean they're watching your every step. It doesn't mean they're watching your every move. But it literally is the picture of a race and this race is being watched by the legends because they've run this race already themselves. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus without distraction, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross 
despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such a hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You've not resisted to the point of the shedding of your blood, meaning no matter what you face, you've never resisted to the point that Jesus did where he shed that blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises the son whom he receives. That's from the book of Proverbs. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as his sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have all participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, and it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore, listen to what he says. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Here's what the author looks at us and says today. I don't know where you are in the race, but you're not the only one running. I don't know what you're going through in the race, but you're not the first. Remember the ones that have come before you. Lift up your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees because God has something for you in your race. Would you pray with me? Father, speak to us today. God, on a cold, nasty, dreary morning, God, brighten up our minds and brighten up our hearts with your word. Father, in a few short minutes when we walk out these doors and compass or true north or we cut off what we've been watching online this morning, Father, may you encourage our spirit to run the race you marked out for us. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and meet a couple people around you. Say, I'm glad to be left in town with you while everybody else left. All right, all right. I want you to take out a pen or pencil. You got your guide or you're taking notes with your thumbs. I want you to write down a little quote. This quote's from a good friend of mine out in Denver. He said this, many Christians have uphill hopes but downhill habits. We have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. We have things we want, but yet things in our lives are not lining up right. And there's times, there's seasons in our lives that feel like they're gonna last forever. There's a word I want you to write at the top of your outline. Here's our word for the day, all right? This sets up the day. I want you to write the word perspective down. Perspective. If you could categorize Hebrews 12 in a word, it would be perspective. Why would I say that? Because he tells us at the beginning of this to look back at those that have come. Remember Moses. 
Remember David. Remember all the greats that have come before. And you remember he said, and remember, on this side of heaven, they never received all that they were promised. They never got all that they thought they would get. Their inheritance was awaiting them on the other side. But while they were here, they never got it. Why would he write that? He wrote that for perspective. Because in all of our lives, we can lose perspective. So I've got two great volunteers. They were up here on stage earlier. Aaron Lowen and Megan Blackstone. Would y'all give them a good hand as they come up this morning? They're going to help me out. So we've got up here on the stage a rope. Oh, there we go. High heels are dangerous. All right, that's why I don't wear them. All right, let's hold it up. There we go, a little bit higher. <laughs> are you safe down there? Do we need to tether you into the wall? Are you okay? All right, so we've got this rope. This rope represents eternity. So from the beginning of time, when God created Genesis 1, the heavens and the earth, that was a long time ago. You could, we could divide scientists and divide people, uh, how old the earth is and all that. Regardless of when it was or how it was, it was a long time ago and none of us were here to see it, all right? And so it was a long time ago. That was the beginning. Till the end of time, eternity. We know that eternity is endless, right? So there is no frame on eternity. Eternity goes on. Eternity is forever. If you're like, Mike, I'm having trouble thinking, think about that for a little while. It'll keep you up for a while. And so it's one of those things, your mind, your mind can't even fathom it. So from the beginning of time till eternity, this endless existence that we'll all have, I believe, that we'll live either with God or separated from God, we have this continuum that runs from the beginning. And then we have us. And here we are living out our lives. The average, and I'm a male, so the average life expectancy of a male, average, all right, is 77 years old, 76, 77 years old, all right? So there's an app where you can put your birth date in. So I did it this morning. It told me I had 27 years left. That's haunting, all right? And so I was like, I'm gonna cut that off and delete that app, all right? But anyways, so this, this life that we live if it's 80 years, 90 years, in the span of eternity is like the scratch on the rope. You're like, Mike, I don't even see it. Exactly. You know, Scripture says life's like a vapor. It's here one minute, and it's gone the next. And we live out our lives on this earth, doing the best we can, building families, building careers, building opportunities, buying, selling, doing whatever we do. But we do it all in this little dash, this little scratch. Doesn't look like a whole lot, does it? Those times that we walk through that seem like they're never going to end, really in the span of eternity, are just a scratch on the piece of rope. So here's the question of the day. How are you running your dash? How in the world are you doing 
getting through the season of life that you're walking through. Because the reality is, the reality is we're all living this race out and our race matters. How we live in this span of time, this small span of time, really does matter. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you give these guys a hand and thank them for being up here? You guys are awesome. Nice work. Nice work. If you got your pen, pencil, note, something to write with this morning, I want you to write down a couple thoughts. Ready? Lesson number one. As we live out this dash, as we live out this race, what are the lessons we need to remember? Lesson number one, throw off whatever's holding me back, the good and the bad. You know, the writers, he writes about our life as we live it out. He says to run your best race, you've got to throw off whatever holds you back. You've got to let go of whatever is encumbering you. You've got to put it aside. Literally, he's painting the picture of a runner in a race who is shedding excess baggage so they can run the most efficient race they can possibly run. we got to throw off whatever's holding us back. Whatever is keeping us from our best. Now, Sometimes those are good things. I want you to write out beside that, ready? Time. We just learned on the rope we've got a limited number of days and minutes and hours. The question is, what is occupying our days and minutes and hours? What's occupying those? What are our priorities? I get a great, I get a lot of blessings in my job. One of my blessings is I get to uh, be with people on some great days and I get to be with people on some tough days. I have never stood at a funeral of somebody and talked about all their accolades in business because at that point, nobody really cares. All they care about is the time they spent with their family the time they spent with their friends and the donation they made in this life. That's what people care about. What did we do during these hours? Which, ask me this question. Here's the word I want you to write down. Priorities. What are my priorities? What are my priorities of my time? What are my priorities of the people? We all have a margin we've got to build in our lives to put this time in. So therefore, whatever is not adding value to my life, I've got to shed it. I've got to get, that's what the writer's talking about. You've got to get rid of everything, even the good things that occupy. And sometimes it's the bad things. It's that besetting sin that we can't let go of. We either enjoy it too much or we uh, have one of those that won't let go of us and we're trying to find our pace and our race and we're trying to run the very best that we can. And the writer says this to these readers back in the day, you got to throw off anything that's keeping you from the best you can be. You got to let it go. You got to shed it. Now, here's the hard part for us. That's different for all of us. 
that, that answer to that question for me is different than the answer it is to that question for you. We're different people. We have different likes. We have different dislikes. We have different hobbies. We have different tastes. We have different things we enjoy. And I'm not here to say, well, this is the category of all the good things, and this is the category of all the bad things. But as I look at that little scratch on that rope, man, I have a limited time to live out my best. So therefore, to run my best in this life, I got to let go of whatever doesn't matter. And I want you to write this little thought down, and number one, I'll move on. And, and the thought is this, your race matters. I love how the writer, he said it, and run the race marked out for you. God's got a race marked out for you. God's got a plan marked out for you. He's got something you can do, nobody else can do. Therefore, get rid of whatever's holding you back from being the very best that you can. I don't know if you've ever worked with kids before that are working at something and there's something holding them back from being their best. And you're like, you got to get rid of that so you can do this. And they, and they don't get it. They just they don't understand it. They don't get it. So when I went away to college, my freshman year, I moved in with two brothers. So I move up to Liberty my freshman year, and I'm rooming with two brothers from up north. One of the brothers was the number five pick of the Expos that year in the draft and decided to come to college. His brother was there because his brother was the number five pick of the draft. And so they both brought, you don't know how that works, but anyways, they brought them both to school. And I got to room with them, which is great, rooming with brothers, bad when they're fighting, good when they're getting along. And so we were there. This, this kid, this guy, one of the guys, had a girlfriend back home. He may be as good a baseball player as I've ever stepped on the field with. Unbelievably talented. But he never played an inning of college baseball because he had a relationship back home that he couldn't be away from. And he had her, he had her poster, their prom picture, it was creepy, above his bed. And so he would stare at it every night. And then Christmas, he just didn't come back. He just didn't come back. He missed part of a talent he had because, and, and that's fine. I mean, maybe I haven't talked to him since then. It may have all turned out great. I don't know. Last I heard he was playing church softball. He'd be a heck of a good one to have on your team. But anyway, so he was doing that. But I always wondered, did he run the race marked out for him or was that a relationship he couldn't let go of that ended up costing him later? Does that make sense to everybody? What's holding you back from living out your best? For some of us, it may be some stuff we're not proud of. It's things that control us in the dark we don't want anybody to know about. It's that thing that keeps us from being the best man I could be or the best woman that I could be. The writer looks at them and says, you have a limited space. What are you doing to run your best race? Is there something holding you back? I'm telling you, Stephen Covey, you remember he, he said in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, spend the most time with the people that will be crying at your funeral one day. That's where you need to spend your time. It's true. Other people move on, and then there's this group that we pour our time into that we matter, that really does matter the most. 
throw off whatever's holding you back, good or bad. Look at the way he says it. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, the race marked out for us. Number two, look up at Jesus more than I look at my circumstances. I don't know about you guys, but um, I struggle when bad times come looking up, not around. Do y'all look around or up? I look around a lot. Well, I want to see her. They, if you're going through it, I feel better about it. But if I'm the only one going through it, it ticks me off, all right? And so I don't like that. I want to be, I want some others in my struggle. You know what I'm talking about? And so one of the traits of those that run our race well are those that look up, not around. Because here's what I'll tell you. When you look around, it will overwhelm you. You'll start looking at life going, I can't do it. You won't live in day-sized sequences. All of a sudden, you're going to start looking way out in the future, and you're like, if the circumstances continue as they are, I don't know if I have the ability to make it. But when I look up, I'm reminded of something. Look at what it says. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, now, this is, this is the part of the verse that gets me. Who for the, what's the next word? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? It's interesting because I don't see anything about the cross that was joyous. Do you? I don't see anything about the cross that I would want to choose. But why was it joy to him? And I want everybody to get this. Because he knew that it's what would redeem you. You, everybody look at me, you were worth the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God because his work was complete. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. One of the ways we run a better race is to get our eyes from this way to this way. I'm just telling you. If I'm going to run the race marked out for me, I've got to get my eyes off my circumstances, and I've got to get my eyes on the one who endured what he did not have to endure because he thought the finished product, you, was worth it. Look to Jesus. Well, Mike, how do I do that? I want you to write down two things. Ready? Open his word daily. Open his word daily. Every time you open this word, it is a reminder of what matters. Every time you open Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, it's probably a reminder of what doesn't matter, all right? And so, but when you look in here, it's a reminder of what matters. So we do a little thing called Digging Deeper. You can get an email every morning, northstarchurch.org slash Digging Deeper. You can sign up and it will email you a devotional every day off the sermon. It's, it's fantastic. I don't write it. Larry Gray is one of our guys writes. It's phenomenal. You're going to have a Bible app on your phone. Second thing, pray. 
Turn your face to him every day. Well, Mike, I don't feel close to the Lord. When's the last time you talked to him? If I don't ever talk to him, I won't feel close to him either. I remember hearing a friend of mine, Ron Dunn, our old mentor, not really a friend, but a mentor of mine, Ron Dunn, years ago, and he was riding with a guy named Manly Beasley. Manly Beasley, I think, had 17 incurable diseases, but he just kept living. And they were driving through the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, somewhere. Said it was about 1 o'clock in the morning, leaving a revival meeting, driving to another church to preach. And Manly just started laughing. And Ron said, Manly, what are you laughing at? He said, the Lord just told me something funny. And Ron's like, I'm driving. Why didn't he tell me anything funny, right? And so, but what did that come from? It came from intimate time with his father. came from taking his eyes off of this and the stuff in here and putting his eyes there. And number three, press on with patient trust in a father who loves me more than I can imagine. Press on with patient trust in a father that loves me more than I can imagine. He disciplines us for our good that we may share in his promise and in his holiness. There's a lot of thoughts of our heavenly father that we love. But one of the thoughts we don't love is that he's a father who disciplines his kids. We're like, man, I don't see how that fits. We sing about good, good father. Man, that didn't sound like a good, good father. But the writer says, look at even earthly dads discipline their children. So my parents, we grew up, when I grew up in Fayetteville, they believed the Bible, they read the Bible, and they took the Bible at its word. And that's what they poured in it. There's one verse in the Bible both my mom and dad claimed, and the, and the verse was, spare the rod, spoil the child. And they both believed that to their very core, that uh, discipline was going to be part of the, the lynch home growing up. And so that's how I grew up. So when Ann and I had kids, we were going to, we, we said, we want to turn out a good finished product, right? So there are going to be points between zero and 18 or 21 or 24 or 39 when they leave the house somewhere in there we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna turn out we're gonna turn out a good finished and, and it, there were times I would have rather been their friend than their parent but the last time I checked I've never met a parent that's been invited on a double date to the prom all right and so just enjoy being their parent so we made a choice we were going to be their parent. And was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. Were there times we disciplined that we didn't want to? Absolutely. Were there times that we <laughs> resurrected the law of the Lord in the lynch house? Yes. And you're like, Mike, I mean, we've got two great kids. We really do. They're not perfect, but they're, they're great kids. But they had, their, they had their moments. I remember I was sitting in an airport uh, in Atlanta, Hartsfield, 
Jackson Airport. I was in a board meeting for a ministry that I was involved with. And this was back in the day of cell phones for all of you millennials, all right? It used to be cell phones were used in emergency purposes only, all right? And so you may even come in a big bag. But anyway, so you didn't just call people on your cell phone. If it was important, you called the beeper, all right? And then you called... Don't make fun. All right, and then you you would call somebody back. Well, my my phone starts going off, and it's Ann calling me. She knows I was at a board meeting, so I was like, I got, I better I better pick up the call, and she is distraught, and I'm like, baby, what? I thought it'd been a car accident. What happened? And she all she could get out was Casey, Casey, Casey. I'm like, what? She said he got in trouble at school today. I'm like, oh, he was four years old. I'm like, how are that? What have you done it for? So, I mean, I jump in my car, buddy, and I'm firing up the internet. Ain't no HOV. I didn't need an HOV. And I was cruising to Kennesaw. And I walk in that house, and, and I come, and I, I got to, now I've become an investigator, right? And so I'm like, let's piece together what happened? I mean, you're four. Are, we, are you a reprobate? I mean, what's happening in my house at four? I've done better than this. And so come to find out that day in school, he had a little competition going with another kid in class about who could drink their juice box the fastest. The other kid won, so Casey threw his ju- juice box and hit the other kid with it. I was a little proud that he had accuracy. All right, that's positive <laughs> for pitching. So I remember, I remember picking him up, and he's like, Dad, where are we going? And he's bawling. He is bawling. And we're driving to it. He was going to a Christian school at a church I used to work at, which has made it even worse. So we drag, and, and I know nobody's going to be there. I mean, everybody's gone by this point. And I remember us driving there, and he thinks I'm, he thinks I'm Jesus juking him. He doesn't think we're going to do anything. And so we get there, and I'm like, come on, we're walking inside. You're going to apologize. You are going to look the teacher in the eye, and you are going to apologize. And have you ever seen a child just go completely stiff? Have you ever watched this happen? This nimble kid now is stiff, and I am dragging him through the hall. I'm dusting the floors through the hall. Did I enjoy that? No. But when Casey's 24, I don't want him throwing his juice box at people, right? It's not cool when things don't turn out right. Mary Michael, I remember the night Mary Michael, her and Ann could butt heads. Man, there's times I felt like I need to wear a referee uniform. I'd get home from school, and, and Mary Michael's the queen of the last word. Great girl, she's the queen of the last word. And I remember walking up to her room, 2 o'clock in the morning, I said, pack your suitcase. I'm taking you to a children's home somewhere that'll take you. I ain't keeping you. And she's like, seriously? And she packed it. She's like, Dad, you wouldn't. I said, oh, I will, because your mom came first, and I'm not dealing with this for the rest of your journey. We're, we're, we're getting this over tonight. I mean, she is going crazy. She is going crazy. Why did I do that? Because I want my kids to grow up and understand you don't get what you want when you don't understand the whole story. I had a finished product in mind. Sticking out your tongue at people who say hello to you is not acceptable. 
Sticking your tongue out at your grandmother who's going to fund your college education. Not cool, right? Some of you, you're in that season of parenting you're right now, and you're like, does it ever end? It's a blessing when our kids come over now because we chose to be their parent, not their friend. But I'm an imperfect heavenly father. We, we had dinner with a, some friends of ours the other day and both of our kids, are, both of us, our, in fact, they were our neighbors. Kids are exact same age, daughters, seniors in college, sons that are in their career now. And we were like, all right, if you could go back and redo it, what would you do different? We had this whole conversation. They will never know the answer to these questions. But so we did this whole conversation on what we'd do different. It's so funny how we majored on things that didn't matter and minored on things that did. But it's over. That shot's over. I'm not their parent anymore. Right? They don't need me like they, they, they still do. But anyway, so they shouldn't. All right? But our Heavenly Father, I want everybody to look at me. Our Heavenly Father has a finished product he wants you to look like. Therefore, he's going to sharpen some things in you that aren't going to feel good. He's going to push you in some areas that are going to make you uncomfortable. Why does he do that? Because he wants you to look like his son. Why does he want us to look like his son? Think about this. When Jesus died, he rose again, he was here on earth 40 more days. Where did he ascend back to? Where did he go back to? The answer is heaven. Where did he go back to? He went back to heaven. So how are people on earth supposed to know what he looks like? You and me. We're it. And if we're in a bad picture of a great product, what's that going to do? I don't, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with it. You know why some people don't want anything to do with Jesus? Because they know us. I don't know where you are in this race, in this scratch, but there's a purpose in the process. Lift your droopy hands, strengthen your weary knees, and run the race he's got for you. Would you pray with me? You may be in that race this morning. You are worn, slap out. Today, it's not about looking around. It's about looking up. And today, it's about turning your eyes back to the one who gives purpose to the race. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I'm in that season of circumstances. Look up. Maybe today you just say, I need God to strengthen the heart 
Maybe today you resonated just with a little parenting piece. Man, if we love our kids. I give my life for my kids. I'm imperfect. How much more does your father love you? Trust him. Would you take a second? Just let the Lord speak to you this morning, would you?